Welcome to the Around the World in 20 Minutes podcast with me, John Halsman, for our weekly look at what's going on in this fascinating planet that we live in. And today we're going to look at basically what is a mystery to everyone involved, which is how Joe Biden, on one hand, could have accomplished rather a lot historically within the last year, like or dislike what he did, and I dislike it, uh, and yet be so incredibly unpopular. Uh, we have to start with that reality. When he came to power, Real, Real Clear Politics, which is the Bible of these things, its poll of polls, had Biden's approval rating at somewhere around 57%. It now is between 42 or 43%. As a Washington insider, I can tell you that if a poll president's polling numbers, which is like his temperature, is above 60%, he can tell Congress what to do. And given his popularity, they will do it. And if it's below 40%, he has to try to squelch rumors that he's dead. So Biden is on life support at around 42% with a trend line going down. The Quinnipiac poll had him at 33%, which is an outlier, but the trend line for Biden was certainly heading downwards. And what's going on reminds me of nothing so much as a shipwreck. Uh, the reality is, as a kid, I was fascinated by shipwrecks. Long before Titanic was a hit movie, I could tell you minute by minute how this calamity came about. I was fascinated by this as a kid. I grew up in Rocky River, Ohio, and on Lake Erie, the great story of my childhood was the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald before the great Gordon Lightfoot song, which is fantastic. I knew a great deal about the Edmund Fitzgerald, how this gigantic ore carrier with a seasoned captain and crew disappeared in the middle of a gale in Lake Superior without a trace, mysteriously sinking. Things like this fascinated me, and Joe Biden is just the latest shipwreck that I have to look at. So what's going wrong for Biden? What has gone wrong? Well, first things first, uh, let's look at what he's actually accomplished. Uh, the reality is that two big pieces of legislation have been passed, which are of historical importance. The COVID Emergency Act, the Recovery Act, was over a trillion dollars of spending to prime the pump while things were at their lowest with COVID, and he managed to get this over the line. And even more impressively, in a bipartisan manner, as Biden had promised, the infrastructure bill at $1.1 trillion, also he managed to pass with significant Republican support in the Senate. Now, everyone who's traveled on America's roads knows they need fixing, but that Biden got this over the line after this hanging there for about 10 to 15 years, with everyone who's experienced America's potholes, seeing the state of its bridges, worrying about rural Wi-Fi, seeing how mediocre its airports are compared to the rest of the world. And to that, I can certainly testify, given my life. Biden is merely plucking the low-hanging fruit, but give him credit, he plucked the apple. And in a bipartisan way, as he had said he would do. So all of this is very much to the good. So given this, why is he so incredibly unpopular? Well, beyond the specifics of politics and policy, the president's failed in a more elemental way. Uh, he's failed in terms of what the tone that he would bring to the table, the general thrust of what he'd do. Most presidencies, particularly successful presidencies, can be summed up by the big things that they did. Abraham Lincoln, he rescued the Union and did away with slavery. Franklin Roosevelt saw America through the Great Depression and led us to victory in World War II. Harry Truman, he set up the Marshall Plan, NATO, and set up the foundations to us winning the Cold War. John Kennedy got us through the Cuban Missile Crisis, the most dangerous moment 
of that Cold War, Ronald Reagan helped end that Cold War. In one phrase, you can sum up what they did. Biden came in with his phrase set for him, and at his very eloquent inauguration, he said he would do away with the storm and tumult of the Trump years and restore competence, steadiness, and that boring but very underappreciated word, decency, to American politics. That he would govern in a bipartisan way, returning us to what Warren Harding called in that awful made-up word, normalcy. And that Biden would do this would be his one sentence, his historical contribution to the United States. Well, he signally failed to do this, very obviously. Instead, despite a 50-50 tie in the Senate and the slenderest of majorities in the House, Biden, long known as a moderate himself politically, tacked to the far left, the progressive left, unveiling a series of domestic initiatives as ambitious in their efforts to expand the role of the state as anything seen since LBJ's Great Society programs of the 1960s. So he said he would come in governing in a bipartisan way. He had a reputation as a moderate, which is precisely why he won the Democratic primary, defeating Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who were far to his left. And then he made his peace with the progressive left and governed like one of them anyway. The difference between LBJ's Great Society and what and what uh, Biden is trying to do is in 1964, following Kennedy's assassination, the Democrats won gigantic majorities in the House and the Senate, and Biden does not have this. Instead, he has a majority of around four or five in the House and a 50-50 Senate. So perhaps the fatal flaw in Biden's first year in office is this disconnect between his hugely ambitious and highly ideological domestic policy agenda, and the meager reality of his governing majority. This is the problem. He has this gigantic lefty agenda with no majority, and certainly no progressive majority, as we've seen. Because in the Senate, Kirsten Sinema, the senator of Arizona, and even more, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, effectively have derailed the crown jewel of the Biden agenda, the mammoth Build Back Better progressive wish list bill, which has everything in it that costs money and will be free that the progressives have wanted to do for the last generation. Manchin said, looking at the inflation numbers, again, how are we going to pay for this? This will merely fuel inflation further, that we're spending money like a drunken sailor, as Larry Summers pointed out. We're in the American economy is back to almost its pre-COVID level. And at the same time, Spending has gone up in terms of federal spending, 14 or 15 percent of GDP under Trump and Biden. Of course, that's going to fuel inflation. Manchin reads these numbers, lives in a highly red state that voted overwhelmingly for Trump. He's the only major Democratic office holder left. And he says, no way, I'm not going to go along with this. So Biden looks alarmingly leftist in pushing this agenda and maladroit. Not only is he leftist, he's a failed leftist because there isn't a majority within the Democratic caucus for this lefty proposal. They're moderate Democrats, still a few of them, like Cinema and Manchin. So he can't get it over the line. And for a man elected to restore bipartisan competence and normalcy, this has been a political killer. With the Build Back Better agenda languishing in the Senate, the rest of Biden's domestic agenda looks set to be derailed for the next year. Look at his effort to try to federalize voting, which has been a preserve of the state since the Constitution itself was written. That's going nowhere because Cinema and Manchin aren't about to do away with the filibuster, which protects the minority both in both sides. They're not about to do away with Senate rules so the progressives can pursue this Robespierreist agenda 
And this will all lead to a midterm shellacking. The House, by everyone I met with in Washington, already assumed that the Democrats have lost the House and overwhelmingly, and the Senate's even now in play. And this is because Biden has tried to govern with his gi- as though he had a gigantic leftist agenda when he simply doesn't. And beyond these failures of policy, tone, and ideology, the Biden team has besmirched its initial reputation for competence. One of the things Biden brought to the table, unlike Trump, is that he's not some sort of gifted amateur, which is what Trump said he was. Instead, Biden says, I'll be boring, but I'll be competent. And after four years on the Trump roller coaster, a lot of people, particularly independent voters, thought this was a winner. These independent voters are the very people who are leaving Biden. This is his problem. The independents that elected him, that sit in the middle of the American system in small numbers, but given the close division between the two parties, tend to determine elections. They bought Biden's argument. Look, I've been in Washington since time began, and I know how things work, and I'll be competent after the hysteria of the Trump years. That sounds pretty good. Well, that's fallen away. The administration's alarmist vaccine mandate, an odd and highly restrictive policy choice given that Omicron strain seems to infect the vaccinated and the unvaccinated alike. Uh, This was struck down as unconstitutional by the Supreme Court, quite rightly, overwhelmingly with a six to three majority, uh, which is very good news indeed for individual liberty and very bad news for an overly governmental, overly statist and civil libertarian restricting policy that Biden was pursuing. The courts have said, no, you can't do this. You can't legislate through OSHA getting around Congress. And so Biden fails on this front as well. So not only did he promise to end COVID, which he hasn't, though Omicron is certainly good news, his draconian efforts to limit civil liberties have been thrown out by the Supreme Court. The rise from seemingly nowhere of inflation, as we mentioned, in December, the inflation rate reached an almost 40-year high of 7% year-on-year, was badly missed and then downplayed by the White House. Not only did they miss its rise, doing away with the 40-year grace that Paul Volcker, the former chairman of the Fed, and Ronald Reagan gave us, they then downplayed it and said, well, it'll be transitory, and then why are you complaining, says Jen Psaki at, at, at one of her infrequent conferences. Um, this doesn't work because people know this is real. This has emerged in recent polling as the country's primary concern, a problem almost entirely of Biden's making, which he owns. There were no high inflation rates under Trump. This is Biden. And if this is unchecked, as Jimmy Carter can tell you, it has the power on its own to sink the presidency. People care more about inflation, which is a tax on working people, in essence, as the cost of living goes up and up and up. And for 40 years, we haven't had to deal with this because of the magnificent work of Reagan and Volcker. Now this is in play again. Paul Krugman, as ever, was wrong. Larry Summers, correct. Finally, even in international affairs, which is supposed to be the president's forte, given that he was long chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, the Biden administration has looked shockingly inept. A majority of Americans were certainly for the U.S. to exit the endless war in Afghanistan, but the panicky and amateurish manner in which the withdrawal was handled led to suicide bombers striking within Kabul airport itself. Now, let's think about this for a minute. Now, this is an area I know a good deal about. Um, We had in Bagram Air Force Base a base fully secure by the American military just outside of Kabul that we could have used as a hub to shuttle people in and out as the withdrawal proceeded apace. Did we do this? Which is basic. You'd learn this in the first year you were at West Point. 
No, we didn't do this. Instead, our overly woke generals like General Milley said, no, let's give up Bagram base, which we did in a panicky manner, leaving behind all manner of equipment for the Taliban to take over. But more importantly, we gave up this heavily secured perimeter where we could have effected an easy withdrawal. And instead, we used the chaos, having left there, of Kabul airport. Unsurprisingly, ISIS, seeing no goalie in the goal, knocked the ball in the net, killing our people. This is shocking. This is shockingly inept, and it made us look ridiculous. And certainly if Biden is campaigning on a, on a platform of foreign policy competence, this was appalling. Everyone knew this was a mistake, and Biden went ahead and did it listening to his woke generals and a staff that suddenly look like their children. Rather than looking serious, Jake Sullivan looks ridiculous because of this process. The sickened all of America's friends in the world, just as the debacle emboldened all of America's foes. And we can see that with China pressing on what they see is a weak America in the South China Sea and Taiwan, Russia probing in Ukraine, and Iran demanding that they be accepted as a threshold nuclear power or else. Well, of course, the weaker you look. No one's arguing we should leave. I've been arguing we should leave since 2006. It helped cost me my job. Bitterly, I feel I've been totally vindicated over Afghanistan, but the manner of the withdrawal, for goodness sake, you've had 20 years to think about how to get out and how we got out was absolute chaos and did great harm to Biden's reputation. And in fact, the, 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 big, the real decline in his polling began after Afghanistan and has never recovered because once you lose a reputation for being competent, it's very, very hard to get back. So for all the talk that Biden has had that America is back, the grim reality finds Russia probing us, China probing the United States in the South China and East China Seas, and Iran pressing everyone to accept that it's a threshold nuclear power, as if the Israelis were going to go along with this. Once European allies, already horridly neutralist, got over the euphoria of not having to deal with Donald Trump, this relief has quickly turned to concern. As the Western ordering power of the world, the United States, mirroring the president's own personal shakiness, seems unsteady, weak, and flailing. And I mean this with no personal respect. I know a little and like Joe Biden from attending Aspen meetings with him for a number of years. He was always delightful company and his wife more so. But the man's lost a step since he used to, I used to see him, which was four or five years ago. There's no doubt he's no longer as acute, as sprightly, as on the ball as he used to be. And we should worry about having a president in his late 70s who's not up to the task at this critical moment. That is not to disparage Biden's ideology. That is a personal observation I make of genuine concern for both him and the country. Frankly, the only thing keeping Biden going in all this disaster is the disaster itself. Everyone in Washington I've spoken with has priced in that 2022 is going to be a Republican wave year. Gallup just came out with a poll where before, by a factor of about nine points, the average American identified more as a Democrat than a Republican. Traditionally, the Democrats have a stronger majority in the country. The Republican Party tends to be more united and the Democratic Party tends to be larger. And this has been true throughout kind of American political history in the modern age. Um, it's not true anymore. During the first year of Biden's presidency, there's been a remarkable 14-point shift 
in party identification as Democrats grow discouraged with what Biden's doing and Republicans take heart. And rather than a nine-point Democratic advantage, which is what Gallup said that Biden had going into the presidency, there is now generically a five-point Republican advantage, which is a shocking 14-point pivot in a year. And this is explained by Biden not living up to the goals of his inauguration. People still think Biden in these polling is a decent enough fellow, but he's a huge disappointment because he hasn't fulfilled that one-line sentence of his presidency. He hasn't restored decency, competence, calmness, bipartisan, non-ideological leadership to the United States, both domestically and in foreign affairs. And this has led Democrats to lose heart and Republicans to begin to think that they can run the table. Frankly and ironically, this is the best thing still helping Joe Biden, because if there is this midterm drumming, which I certainly predict, um, this is probably the best political card Biden has left to play. For the rise of the GOP will undoubtedly tempt Donald Trump back into the political fray. You can already see this. Trump is emerging. He's had a soft open to running again in 2024. He's not formally announced. He's going to wait for those astounding results in 2022, but he's going to be tempted back into the fray. And at the moment, he would be the Republican nominee. The most recent poll in December, Reuters and Ipsos, found Trump to be the favorite of a massive 54, 54% of Republicans to be the presidential nominee in 2024, with only Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in the running at 14% well behind, and then everybody else below 10%. So Trump has a 54 to 14% lead over DeSantis going into the primary season at the moment. A rematch with America's most polarizing figure in 2024, who moderate voters ran away from following the shameful riot in uh, January uh, when Trump winked and nodded at a mob attacking the Capitol. I can't believe I'm saying these words, and Trump is the only modern president not to accept an election result. This may be the only thing saving Biden's flailing administration. Two highly discredited elderly men must not be the nominees for the United States in 2024, or it's easy to see that decline will follow. Ironically, Biden's last best hope may be losing so badly in 2022 that Trump comes back into the scene, the one man perhaps in the country that Biden can still beat. And that's where we are. But as I look at this, I think of the Titanic, I think of the Edmund Fitzgerald, and now I think of the wreck of Joe Biden. And that's why Biden is failing. Hope you enjoyed this Around the World in 20 Minutes podcast. Please do subscribe. Those of you who haven't, so many of you have. Again, we've decided at the firm that because of your overwhelming response, which gratifies us, we are going to devote more and more time to Substack where we can talk directly to you without the problem of editors censoring, tweaking, messing with the language, and we build our community, which is overwhelmingly growing. Thanks to everyone who subscribed. I love talking to you directly and having our community for those of you who haven't and listen regularly, please do now subscribe and get in on the action as there's an awful lot going on in the world right now from Iran to Ukraine to Asia where the game is at. As you know, I think all the risk and all the reward are in the Indo-Pacific to American domestic politics, Chinese domestic politics, European domestic politics. We simply will travel the world together. So please do subscribe. And for those of you who have, as ever, please do give. Substack is based on the honor system. 
And we have decided to devote time and resources. And for that, we need money because I run a commercial enterprise. I love doing this with you. But at a minimum, we're asking for $70 a year, which is half a Starbucks a month. I've already had, I admit today, my two pots of coffee, so I can't compare it to the coffee. But it's half a Starbucks a month. For those of you who think this is worth that, please do give $70 a year or $7 a month so we can devote more and more and more time to talking together. The point isn't, for example, as the mainstream media say, that Biden is failing. The key question is ever is why. Why Biden is failing? And that, I think, we have just made the case for. So if you like this, please do give that $70 a year. Thanks ever so much. And without coffee, I'm stuck with water now. Have a wonderful day.